foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. Hi, this is the Move Your DNA podcast, and I am Katie Bowman, biomechanist and the author of Move Your DNA and a bunch of other books on movement, including my newest book on kid and family movement, Grow Wild. On this show, we talk about how movement works on the cellular level, how to move more, and how to move more of your parts, as well as how movement works between bodies and in the world, also known as movement ecology. All bodies are welcome here. Are you ready to get moving? let's talk about activity trackers. There are many types. There's pedometers and Fitbits and Apple Watches, and I'm sure other things totally off my radar. These are tools that measure something about the way you're moving. Most often, how much you're moving your whole person or or your whole body from point A to point B. What we're going to talk about today is a different type of activity tracker. This is a tracker that I created. This tracker is not digital. It's not even analog. It's a piece of paper with columns and rows, and you need a pencil to fill it in, like some sort of old-fashioned Excel spreadsheet. So if you've read Move Your DNA, you know that I liken movement to nutrition. And my latest book, Grow Wild, dives into movement nutrition unlike any book or article or podcast episode before. So yes, I think everyone should read or listen to it. A very important takeaway from the concept of movement nutrition is that it's not only how much we move our bodies. So it's not only how many steps or how many miles or how many minutes we've jostled our body and thus our activity trackers. It's also which parts are moving. The activity trackers we're most used to measure big body jostles, but they don't tell us much about where that movement is occurring. And as I pointed out in Grow Wild, 
kids, but also adults too, need certain movements for their lungs and certain movements for their bones and modes of exercise that move our legs don't always move our arms or torsos or even challenge our balance. So we need many different types of movements. And at this point, I thought listeners and readers could use an activity tracker that took a look at where in the body movement was happening. Activity trackers are there to get you moving in the sense that data can help you see more objectively how much you've moved. So you look down at it and it gives maybe a low movement reading and then coupled with your desire to move, you can use this information to take action. And the same goes for this activity tracker that I've created by filling it out, you will see, okay, I'm moving a lot in these ways, but these other parts or tissues aren't getting any movement. So I'm going to take you through some of the process, but I'm not going to do it alone. I first shared this tracker at the Grow Wild launch party last month. Some of you will recognize the party's host, Danny Alexander, formerly Danny Hemmett, who used to also host this podcast. So here is an audio clip from the party where I brought out this document for the first time. In Grow Wild, the most technical chapter is activities. And it was so technical, and I, and I sort of alluded to it, like you could do this, you could work with your kids. The, the whole point is, how do you assess your movement diet, right? Like I've made a long argument about the difference between just needing movement full stop, so many you know minutes of movement a day, and why that framework doesn't really hold up for very long. Movement is much more like nutrition, our needs are very nuanced, very local, different parts need different things. How do I figure out what my movement diet looks like right now? And then how do I look at that like a dietitian would look at, you know, a week of my diet and say, well, you're missing these major macronutrients and micronutrients. So this is a document that I've created just for you here today. How are my activities moving me? And what it does is it has a place to list hours. Uh, you start with activities. You list all the activities that you do. And this doesn't have to be for kids. This can be for grown-ups as well. Activity, we're, we're going to say that's everything that you do. You go to work, that's your activity. If you go to school, that's an activity on here. It's, it's trying to look at all the hours that you're spending in a day. And then once you've written that activity, you're going to check all the boxes for that activity. So I, it's, it's with other kids because, you know, I've made the argument that kids really do need movement with other children of multiple ages. So I, and I also think this is helpful to see like, wow, everything that my kid is doing is by themselves, you know, where that stands out as a, something that's missing. So you write all your activities here. You write the hours that you're doing each activity, because if you don't do that, it's really easy to miss that this is weighted that what you do most frequently is really checking many more of these boxes, if that makes sense. Do you have yeah. a question? No. Oh, you look like you had a question. No, I'm thinking real hard okay. about my own movement. Okay, good. So then it's, do you do it with other kids? Is it structured or unstructured? So once you've read the whole book, these will make more sense. Is it indoors? Is it outdoors? Is it eyes up close? Is it eyes over very distance? Is it in a fixed arm position? Is grip strength being utilized or challenged? 
Is there any practice of accuracy? So that would be throwing or kicking, arm hanging, like it's like we call it like one strength to weight ratio being pulled from your arms. Are your thighs positioned forward? Do your thighs ever move behind the standing position of your body or thighs back? Is it body weight bearing? Is there any jumping to this activity? Is there any balance challenge to this activity? Are you in a stiff flexed spine position? Is it a dynamic spine position? Is it mostly seated? Does it involve heart and lung motions? So another way of thinking about that is, you know, where you are having a a variety of heart rates because then each one of these is in different movement. So instead of thinking of heart rate as something different than geometry or alignment, I would put them all in the same category and saying when we're saying that someone is not getting enough cardio, what we're saying is that they're not taking their heart and their lungs and their related vessels through their ranges of motion. And then finally, is it fine motor? Okay, so once you fill in your activities and you fill in how it moves you, you could do an X or you could fill in the whole square. You're going to answer these questions. My activities are moving me most in these ways. So that these questions are to help you interact with your own data that you've presented. And you'll be like, oh, I can see that I'm getting plenty of mostly seated. I'm getting plenty of eyes up close. I'm getting plenty of indoors if they were like foods, but I'm not getting any of these other movement foods. And so it's, it's the way to make it really clear to you which ways your activities aren't moving you. And then once you've made that list of like, I'm not getting any grip strength, I'm not getting any jumping, I'm not getting any dynamic spine, and I'm not getting any outside, then It's like, which activities could balance out my diet, my movement diet, my activity diet? And then that becomes how you figure out how to pick new tasks, which are mentioned in the first chapter, Stacking Your Life. So hopefully that makes sense. And hopefully this is helpful. This could be something that you can do on the individual level. And my next book will have this sort of expanded, but I I don't think much beyond this because I think that this is what we're missing to really see that no movement or activity can really be sorted into good and bad. We are a culture that we want, you know, quick, tell me if it's good or bad and I'll do it or I won't do it. Like we're really outsourcing processing of this complicated thing. Mm -hmm. No movements are good or bad. No nutrients are good or bad. No chemical compounds really from food are good or bad. It's about the relationship. We have to understand that our movement diet is just, is just that it is how our movements interact with each other and provide either too little or too much of something. And then that way you can figure out, Katie, should I do this activity? I'm like, you tell me, what does your movement diet look like? What are you missing? What do you have too much of? So hopefully this is a tool That will really, really help you, and you are free to download it. I have to say, this is probably the best party favor slash door prize I have ever seen or received Mm -hmm. in my life. This is awesome, and I'm going to share this with everybody that I can think of and use it myself because it's just, it's the greatest. So good one on you there. Good job. Thanks. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. I think who you really want to thank is my husband. Like, I was was like, who, who would we say made the iPhone? Like, would we say it was Steve Jobs or would we say that it was the actual people who figured how to work it? I was like, did I, did I really come up with this activity tracker or did I just be like, 
make it so. And so he was up till one o'clock in the morning making it into a usable two-dimensional thing because I did not think in two-dimensional things. I knew the categories it had to have and I knew the experience someone doing it needed uh-huh. to have, but I don't know how to put that in it. Well, um, I think it's awesome. Well, you can, you can send his, your thanks to Michael. Okay. Thanks, Michael. That's great. Okay. Ready for some questions? Yes. My daughter wants to know your take on trampolines. She said you mentioned jumping in the book, but not trampolines. Do you feel they have any benefits for kids? See, that's what I'm saying. I looked through all these questions and they were all answered by this. Right, right. That's why I created this. This is my exit strategy. This is my, this is my exit strategy. This is Katie's mic drop, everybody. So see ya. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, but let's, let's, let's walk through the exercise. So you write trampoline out here and you're like with other kids. If it is, yes, it totally meets my play with other kids. Structured. Not really because on trampolines, what you're doing is it's often free in that, like there's a creativity, like free play to me is that the way that you play isn't defined. The way that you move or experience isn't defined. There's a a lot of creativity or flow to it. There's no rules. All right, so I would say it's not structured. I'd say it's unstructured. It's not indoors. It's, I mean, if you have an indoors trampoline, that's pretty rad, but but, uh, we'll go with outdoors. Eyes varied in distance, not a fixed arm position unless your calves and quads are banging. So I'm gonna say you're usually doing some like bigger arm movements that's not... Like you would be if you're reading a book or doing, you know, computer work. There's no grip strength, not accuracy, no arm hanging. There's probably going to be a lot more thighs forward than thighs back. I mean, you could do some big jumps, but I would say for the most part, it's going to be mostly thigh forward. So in here, where it's tricky is it's not really body weight bearing. So the difference between jumping on a trampoline and jumping on the ground would be that there's a whole section on bone and the need for kids to really have a lots of impact in jumping moves really for all of us, but especially for kids, because your, your peak bone mass is set during your juvenile period, meaning you can never really get more bone mass than you have set up in your youth. So that's why we really, really want our kids to be doing this. So Jumping on a trampoline is different than jumping because you're not really getting that bone squish. You are still using your jumping muscles, but you're not using them in the way that you would if the surface was firmer. Also, the skills on a trampoline don't necessarily make you a better jumper when you're off the trampoline, meaning you're, you're, there's a lot of forgiveness to not needing really great form on a trampoline, which is fine. It's just, it's just good to know like, oh, I would need to balance it was still with, I still need different jumping and I still need other weight bearing exercise. Now it's different. Like there, there still is some, but it's just, it's just less than you imagine. Balance challenge, maybe a little bit from walking on an unstable surface, but it's still two feet on the ground. So maybe not as much as other things that are more dynamic, but I think definitely still quite a challenge. Stiff flex spine. Not really. I think you have a pretty dynamic spine. The, the negative to the trampolines is that there's a lot of I think it's, I I don't know if I would want to weight it in by saying it's common or uncommon, but I think if you talked to a lot of allopathic professionals of varied careers, they would note that the trampoline is often the source of a variety of injuries. So that's just something to know. But again, you become better skilled at risk. Heart and lung moves for sure. Mostly seated. No fine motor. No. So you just weight it on here. What do I think of it? 
I don't really think of it. I think of everything in terms of what does it move, and that's it. Like, how do I weight it? It's like trying to tell me. It's like trying to tell me nothing about your diet and be like, should I eat onions? That's like I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. But you know. But you know. And now you can figure it out. Like, oh, Katie would probably say some of this, but then I would need some of these other things. Okay, it's me again today. So that was a clip of. Danny getting the tracker for the first time of everyone really getting the tracker for the first time about six weeks ago. I am excited to have Danny on again today to talk about questions that came up for her filling it out, what the experience has been like. So Danny, thank you so much for coming back in to talk about it with me. Hi, thank you for having me. This is fun. For those of you who did not come to the Grow Wild launch party, Danny was the MC. Thank you very much. And it was a fabulous time. But one of it the... Was or, yeah, it was great. I'm going to not say but, I'm going to say and. I think the most important part of that entire launch party, it was a virtual launch party, was this thing that we're going to talk about today, the activity tracker. So... In Grow Wild, Grow Wild's organized by environment, and one of the environments is activities. And activities was really kind of hard to define because activities are really just the things that you do with your time. Sleeping is an activity, you know, so like it's not necessarily what you pay for, what you drive to do, you know, what what fits neatly into right. idea, you know, like signing your kids up for after school activities. It's just what you're doing. That's just what you're doing. I think the, the activities... It's everything that makes up your life. It's really everything that makes up your life. It's what you fill into the minutes that make up your life. So it's not to say that you need to fill every minute with activities in the sense of this paid-for planned thing. It's just that every minute of your life is filled with you doing something physically, whether it's just sitting in place, whether it's reading a book whether it's taking a walk, whether it's, you know, watching TV, it doesn't matter. Like those are all activities. Even if you're sleeping, sleeping is the activity of the hour. In Grow Wild, in this activities chapter, it's probably the closest that I've ever come to creating a document. And the document is not in the, the document is not in the book, but there's the section is really explaining how how would you look at your movement diet? How would you assess it? And, you know, I, I wrote it out in long form in text, but I was after putting that book to rest, which means sending it off to the printer, I was thinking, man, this chapter would be way more helpful if I just said, you know, because I'm like, you know, create a chart. And do it like this. And I was like, I think that people are just going to want me to create the chart for them (laughs) because it's really hard to synthesize. So, right. You know what I mean? Um, And I get that. So I did. Yeah. Or really my husband, my husband took all the data that I wanted on the chart and made it into something beautiful. And I have made this now available to you. So for not just you, Danny, but for anyone listening, this will now live. Well, I was, was going to say lucky me. <laughs> I know. All for you. Um, in fact, this whole podcast is just for you and everyone else can just take notes. Oh, no, so, so special. So there. this is a document called How Are My Activities 
moving me. And it's going to live on my website, nutritiousmovement.com. We'll link to it in the show notes. So everyone can download it whenever. And it'll be under an article that I think I'm going to title activities move our DNA. Because this is not grow wild specific. This is my body of work specific. However, this chart is in the text that anyone can use it. It doesn't matter if you're not a kid. You can just swap the word kid for adult in certain sections. But it's really just a way for you to assess, like, what what are you doing with your body on a a moment-to-moment basis? So we're going to talk about the activity tracker. But you had a lot of fun with this when we were on the show, right? I mean, when we were doing the launch party. Yes. Yes. Because you don't think of like activities at first. You're like, well, what do I do? I walk the dog. I go to work. I go to school, whatever. But like you said, it's whatever fills the minute that you're in right then and there, whether it's staring off into space or folding laundry, that's your activity. So I keep adding activities. So I, now I have a couple charts because this only has like what, 10 spaces for activities. So I have two charts because I do a lot of things and I do have some questions about it, but it's kind of eye opening to see that there's some gaps. I got some gaps <laughs> in my movement diet. Well, we, we all have gaps. But it, I like finding them because it's like, oh, well, that's interesting. Right. So I filled one out for each of my kids and I took a picture of it and that will also live where this video will live, sort of helping people go through it. But let me just explain for those of you listening what the chart looks like. So the chart is organized, you know, sort of like an X, Y axis, but down to the column is where you fill in the activity. And so I'm just going to read off, I'll read off a handful of what were on my kids activity list. So there's schoolwork, There's reading, family walk, PE, soup night, paddling, group hike, whittling, soccer, you know, martial arts, knitting, tag, or other, you know, field games, scooter, aerial, silk, right? So I'm just, I'm trying to fill in what they're doing. Like, what what are they doing for a large portion of the time? And what are some that are on yours? Just so people listening could imagine what they might also put on there. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I have dog walking. I have school because I'm in school. And so school slash homeworks, it's kind of all the same thing. Gym time, playing down in my gym, work, gardening. I have sex. It's an activity, housework, driving or commuting, cooking, hiking, vegetating, like watching a movie or a Netflix thing. Mm-hmm. I don't have my second sheet with me. It's upstairs. That's okay. But yeah, there's. Well, I think that just helps. Inter- a lot. Yeah. It introduces people to the idea of like what could go on this chart. So, like, th- these are the activities. There's also a very tiny place because across the other axis would be sort of these major categories of how you are being moved for each. And I'm not going to read all of them, but I'm just going to give you maybe like a two thirds. So, like, is it done with others, other kids or other adults? Meaning, meaning, I think that a big part of Grow Wild is kids need movement. We all need movement with other people. You know, humans need other people. So, like, how many of the activities that we do, are they yes. done alone or are they done 
in a group. And then there's this also important thing to differentiate between structured and unstructured because we sort of transition to everything being really hyper-structured, especially for kids. And there's, from when people talk about the value of play, what they call play, grownups might not necessarily think that they need play, but it is really the value of what emerges during unstructured time. You know, like the fact that everything is structured and organized by time capsule or rules or behavior, like it's very, I'd say limiting, you know, it's another cast, it's another box. Indoors, outdoors, are your eyes being used up close? Are your eyes being used far away? Is your arm in the same position, you know, pretty much throughout a particular activity is it challenge your grip strength? Is there elements of accuracy? What's your leg position? Is it carrying your body weight, balance? Is your spine mobile? Is your spine fixed? You know, it's like this way of you tuning into what mechanical nutrients or other movement nutrients are occurring in my movement diet. Like this is supposed to be sort of like a movement diet overall. You're looking at it There is nothing, there's no movement nutritionists yet at this point, but it wouldn't be that different than if you took your diet log to a dietician and they were like, oh, well, I can see by looking through what you are eating that you're missing these critical nutrients, so we're going to add them back in. So it's just very similar to that. Well, what I like about it is it's not... It's not like, oh, this is a good thing, you know, and this is bad thing. It's just like a data collection. It's a super easy way right. to collect the data on your your movement. And that's it. Right. It's good. It's not like, oh, that's the sugar and that's the vitamin C. You know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. Well, and I think that that's the difficulty with, you know, I've used junk food movement to really try to explain what low nutritional density movement is because I think that when we think junk food, it's just this idea of while it might represent a lot of calories, it's not nutrient dense, meaning there's no other besides calorie nutrients to be found in it. But junk is sort of subjective, mm-hmm. right? So so I'm trying to remove a lot of those kinds of words, because even kale, like I said in Move Your DNA, even kale is not a diet maker. Like it's so like the idea of foods being good or bad is sort of challenging. It's it's an easy entry point, but when you're trying to drill down the actual concept, it starts to fall apart. So this is where I'm hoping this take this next level because people are always asking me, you know, as they did in the launch party, we had open Q&A for everyone who was there. And like, is, is a, my daughter wants to know if the trampoline is good. And I was like, there is no real good or bad movement, <laughs> but let's put trampoline on the activity tracker. Right. Because the whole point is we're trying to avoid getting into the trap of finding the one movement that nourishes everything so we can continue moving very little. You know what I mean? So, so we had her plot out trampoline and it was like, okay, well, it's unstructured. It's outside. It gives an eye break from a screen, right? So your eyes can be varied and there is a lot of leg work and jumping, but it wouldn't necessarily fall into body weight bearing because it's not like actual jumping off a hard surface. So as I explained in Move Your DNA, like there's reasons that these categories are on here because these are all things that kids need in order to set that body formation. And then it's what we need as adults to continue to maintain it. So anyway, 
Um, okay, so that's just sort of setting up what this activity tracker is. What are your questions? Well, and this is tricky, like if you can't see this, if you're just listening to this podcast, but just some of the positions that your body would be in, mm-hmm. I just didn't understand. So I have these giant gaps because I couldn't fill it in. Thighs forward, thighs back. Give me an example, so, please, of <laughs> thighs forward, thighs back. Right. Well, okay. So sitting to do school, like for when my kids are in school, their thigh bones are forward. Their thigh bones are never back or moving back behind them. And even cycling, cycling really never gets your thighs behind that neutral position. So like I have a friend who's experiencing some back pain issues. And I was talking to him about the idea that while he was extremely active and and he doesn't really sit, you know, and, and stands a lot and was doing a lot of cycling, that he was still likely missing hip extension because cycling is, is sort of go-to. And it's like, okay. well, when, when you sit a lot, that's size forward. So it's really this like thighs back is a column that would be checked for activities that gets your leg bone to move behind you. So most people listening to this probably came because of some pelvic health, low back health issue. And so critical to what I can offer to help many of these folks is to point out the weakness that is on the back side of the body because the leg bone never gets to move in the range of motion that is behind your body. That thigh is supposed to be going behind you multiple thousands of times a day. Well, not multiple thousands. Well, probably multiple thousands, but, <laughs> but so many times per day. And when you look at your activity chart, even if someone was quite active, you know, they were paddling, they were cycling, their activities could be void of the nutrient, get your leg back behind you and engage your glute muscles. And, and because I would say low back pain and pelvic issues have become really chronic that it was really important for me to have something on there to, to help you sh- see. It's like your leg bones are never moving behind your body ever in any of your activities from morning till night. They never get behind there unless you're taking a walk. Like taking a walk might be for most people the only time that leg moves back behind their body. So if walking is on there, then you would check thighs back. Got it. It's not that you have to stand with both thighs behind you, right? It's just that nutrient of hip extension. I was trying to keep right. it I was trying to keep it easy. Like for people who are more uh, trained in the technicality, it'd be hip extension. That makes sense now that I see it. Right. Yeah. So okay. I would have put maybe hip extension ap- activities for hip extension, but I'm trying I was writing this for parents reading Grow Wild for which anatomical language is not a requirement. So so for those of you listening, what I'm saying right. here with thighs forward and thighs back is how much time does your kids sit in sort of a flexed hip position, even when they're doing their activities? So if they're canoeing or kayaking and cycling, that those would still be more hip flexion. Swimming would be a great thighs back, right? Walking is a great thighs back. Field games where you're running and sprinting, that gets that thigh bone back behind you. But for many other activities, the thigh bones, the femurs are in front of the body. Got it. Okay. That was it. That's one question. That's all you got? Well, one was arm hanging. And at first, the reason I had a question is because 
I know it's hanging, but my brain was thinking it was, are your arms hanging? And it's like, well, only when I carry my groceries, you know? oh, yes. <laughs> it's hanging by yeah. your arms. Got it. Okay. Maybe hanging from arms. Yeah. So hanging from arms. That's a good edit. This could be like, not even parents filling this out, but like an older kid could easily, you know, use this too. Well, exactly. Which I think would be pretty effective if, if I were an older kid and looked at this and maybe did a family, like, you know, like kind of not competition, but it was like, Hey, let's all fill this out and see how we do. And, and be in charge of filling that out. An older kid could easily do this with the language you've got there. And in Grow Wild, the activity that's suggested is really to sit down with your kid or don't sit down, mm. <laughs> you know, to like, to bring this out and be like, okay, like I did this with my kids and I was like, what are your three favorite daily activities? Like, I don't necessarily ask them to list all the activities that they do in a day. Cause they don't think that way, but, and then I could mm-hmm. ask like, well, what are you doing PE? You know, and it's like, okay, well, these are field games. All right. So show me how you use your body when you're playing that game. Because as I said in the book, what you're doing by doing that is your children are learning body awareness, right? They're, they're learning to tune into seeing themselves and how they move, which is something that when people come to me when they're 40, yeah. they've never considered before. Like the idea of watching themselves as they move is such a foreign concept to be like, well, what's your leg doing when you walk? I mean, my brother who's in his 60s just said, you know, he had knee surgery on one side. He said, I just noticed that when I was running that my knee as I like push off and then take my next step, it actually goes out and then goes back in again. Right. So this is valuable information about yourself. And like we are now, we are just now, I think really starting to tune into minding your words, watching the language choices that you make and like observing yourself. And, and we're at, the spoken level, but I think it's also really important to see what movements are you using as you move because these are controllable by you. They're adjustable by you. That's such a large portion of our approach to feeling better in your body is first see how you're actually moving so that you can make different choices than maybe the choices that landed you with the same physical outcomes. So this is just like another way of either doing it to yourself or helping a child through this process, you know, rather than saying like, you should pay attention to how you move, you know, like it's just a different way of inviting them into awareness. Mm -hmm. I think it would be super fun. And I'm, I might just do this is, check in on this and make a new chart again in six months or a year and then kind of lay it over the one that I've done and say like, okay, you know, cause when I see these gaps, you know, of course I'm being me, I want to figure out, Oh, well, uh, what could I fold in or how could I change these other things to fill those? Cause I really don't have any more time. I gotta be stacking. (laughs) I gotta get my stacking in. Right. And I think this is to go with stacking. Stacking was probably also Mm -hmm. explained most clearly for everyone in Grow Wild that it's really about choosing tasks, right? So tasks could be another word for that could be activity. Like you're choosing what to do with your time to move you in a particular way. So at the bottom of this chart, after you've filled all the X's in or the check marks or the hearts or however you like to fill your boxes, it asks you to look at it now and say which my activities are moving me most in these ways. So if you looked at your chart, 
you could see like, okay, like I am getting lots of thighs forward activity, right? This keep, this is where it keeps you from saying like, wow, sitting so much is bad. It's just like, oh no, I am just getting enough, maybe, maybe too much of the thighs forward nutrients and I need some thighs back nutrients. And then the next one is what are activities that could balance your movement diet, right? So then that it makes you, instead of you asking me, instead of you going, Mm -hmm. here's, here's, here's what I do. What should I be doing? It's like, well, now that you have this chart, what do you, what could you come up with? Because you know, the activities that are available to you. And again, they can be simple. Like I have one really climbing kid and the other and one really jumping kid. And I do think that these habits are their natural strengths based on their anthropometric dimensions. Meaning we all don't have an identical movement diet, but at the same time, These nutrients here are pretty across, I would say. Most humans could dabble in in them all. Like, I don't think any of them is a complete outlier for what you should get. Like, bones need to have some landing or impact forces. So, So when I noticed that when we did this chart with my one kid, there wasn't a lot of upper body. Like, upper body tended to be, like, the hanging from the arms, and the grip strength tended to be lower. So and it was like, when you have a few minutes, you know, like just go hang, we have like a big, it's like a rope. It's a, essentially functions as a rope hanging from one of the beams in our house. Cause we have a big log beam. And so now that's just what they play. Like that's just the extra mm-hmm. game is there's no activity to drive through. Right? We're not looking for a climbing school or mountain climbing classes or rock climbing classes or anything like that. It was just mm-hmm. like, Oh, I'm going to move this closer to your room so that you see it more often and you get that filled. Uh-huh. And then so you just sort of you're just sort of going, "Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not getting I'm not moving my arms very much." And then you fill that in. And then you can also like none of my activities are moving me in this way, so you just it helps you it helps you evaluate. It helps you do what I would do for you if you were talking to me. It helps you do that yourself. So That's why I'm really excited about this chart, because I think that once people do it, they'll be able to answer, you know, so many of their own questions. Right. And it's good. Knowledge is power. That is true. And it means a lot more, too, when you figure something out on your own, as opposed to somebody telling you, you know, you're kind of more apt to. Well, I'm speaking as a mother of teenagers, but it seems like they believe stuff more when they've figured it out on their own than if I tell them. Exactly. That's what I hear. I don't have teenagers though yet. Whew. Yeah, no, it's it's a good chart. I'm excited. I was actually going to pass it around to the people I work with because they're becoming more and more aware of the gaps in their diet and how that's led them to have conditions that they are not comfortable with, you know, pain or movement disorder type of stuff. And so now they're really interested. And I was thinking I would like to pass this around to them and to say, hey, have a little office-wide little thing here and see where we're at with this. Put up a slack line and a trapeze. <laughs> it's a good chart. I think a lot of people are going to use it for a long time. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping. So it is there for everyone to use. So yeah, let, use it and then let me know what you think. Yeah. Do you want people to, that's what I was going to ask you is like get some feedback on, on this from how people have used it or things that they're not getting or want to get more from it or just because you kind of came up with it just like, Well, right. Like I said, this is the first version of it. And, you know, I was thinking grew wild as I created it. I do not think there's anything about it that that does not apply to adults. 
filling this out themselves. So yeah, I imagine that I could keep creating a more and more nuanced version, but I think this is a good place. I think this is a good place to start. There's the idea of mechanical nutrients or movement nutrients, but it's really challenging to figure out like how much is enough, right? Because we are just emerging with our understanding of movement in this way. So what is not represented on this chart would be how much of each one of these would be ideal in a diet. So like in a, in a food diet, things like recommended daily allowances. So like the actual percentage or the relationship of dietary nutrients to each other is, is really uh, much more robust. Like we know how many milligrams of various nutrients you need to keep from getting particular issues. It's not as clear with movement. All we have is sort of total daily movements. You know, there's different research though on things like bones and they've been able to figure out like, okay, you just need this much, you know, bone strain, you know, bone load to reverse or like rebuild bone after you've lost it. So like it's, it's slowly coming, but on the very left-hand chart is like the tiniest box that's like hours per week. Because what I don't want people to do is just look at the X's or the, you know, the way they fill it up and they're like, great, like, okay, I've got a little bit of everything. When in reality, this sitting portion of your day is like nine hours and the arm hanging is like one minute. You know what I mean? Right. So you have to be careful with this, I would say, at first. There is a tiny box for hours per week so so that you could sort of look at the relationship of movements to each other. But I would say that that's not ultimately what this is for. Like, we're just going to start with figuring, helping you figure out which parts of your body is being moved by your activities and which aren't. And then look for a chart in 2023. And maybe (laughs) I would have been able to figure it out by then, but we're not there yet. Right. Awesome. Boy, you know what? I haven't even filled out all my hours. I got to do that too. It's a very tiny column. It's small because it's secondary. Exactly. Because that, that all varies depending on the week you're having. Yeah. Really. I mean, I may hike more and do less schoolwork one week, you know, so that's all kind of like, I can see where it's secondary. Maybe that's why I haven't focused in on filling it out because it's always yeah. different. It's just always different, but I don't think it'll keep you from finding this chart to be valuable. So I, I do have one question though. I do have one more question. Did you do this for yourself? Did you do your chart for oh, yourself? Yeah. I live in this chart myself. <laughs> like this chart is how I think about all my time, all the time. Right. Was there anything when you came across, you're like, oh, look at that. Well, do you want to hear what my gap is? And my gap is going to make other people like mad. My gap is actually a lack of thighs forward time. Not enough hip flexion. Yeah. That, and I think that I'm really sort of an outlier in that because look at, I've modified my house. I got, I got rid of so much sitting that that really I've noticed like my legs have become extremely strong over the last 10 years from all of the standing and walking. But, but I have noticed that my hips 
when I get into different floor sitting positions because of the lack of time that I spend there, like that's actually more challenging for me. So Mm -hmm. I have to really budget sitting down on the ground much more often. Like I just notice, and it's so, it's come so natural for me, you know, if like the family's watching a movie that I, I will come in and really almost stand to watch it because I'm much stronger there than any other position. Uh So it's like, and then, and if I get on the ground, then I will do, you know, rolls and spinal twists. Like I'll go to the lying moves, but the actual sitting up in hip hip flexion moves is challenging for me now. And it wasn't before I started doing so much standing. So I think that I'm getting too much of the standing loads and not enough of the ground sitting one. So that's become my focus. Isn't that weird? Well, thank you for saying that. I don't think that, well, it's different, but I don't think it's going to make anybody mad or anything. I think it's just really real because it just shows you how much a movement diet can vary. Like yours isn't even over your lifetime. It's just like over the last couple of years, this has happened. And so I think that's very interesting it's definitely different. Throwing accuracy is another place where I don't, like, I don't do any, aside from like now that it's summertime and things are a little bit different. And like a lot of this stuff has really fallen off in the last year, but you know, going out, like I used to get accuracy, like we would just go do target practice, like throwing rocks at different stuff. And so what I've tried to do now to do accuracy is like, we take a family walk, you know, pretty much Mm -hmm. every day. And there's a huge pile of rocks and a forest of trees by where we walk. And to like take 10 minutes and just play, can you hit the trees with these rocks games as Mm -hmm. a family? And so like, that's been my way of balancing it is coming up with, coming up with something like that. And then Frisbee, like I'll start doing more Frisbee and stuff. And then then that will get me more throwing things, but some of them are seasonal. Like I definitely, for me, some of them are seasonal. That's true. Cool. Well, I'm going to keep working on my chart. Good. So everyone, I'm sure, was excited to hear from you. Do you want to tell everyone else what you've been up to lately? You said you were in school. What are you doing? I'm in occupational therapy. Oh, okay. So occupation is just like activities. It's just people think it's about getting a job, you know, like what's your occupation, but really it's just what (laughs) occupies your time. And so I will be able to help people do the things they want to do in the best way that they can do them. It's just helping people live an independent life. It's been good. I'm still in Colorado and just going to school, trying to get my movement nutrients in. (laughs) Here's a question. What is the primary difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy? Oh, a lot. Physical therapy is really just dealing with the, the kinesiology and the biomechanics of it. So I hurt my back. Well, how did you hurt your back? Let's look at the muscles, what's lacking, what's pulled, all this stuff. And then now we're going to give you some exercises to get it into shape. Occupational therapy, I hurt my back. Really? Well, let's look at how you were lifting that thing that you hurt your back. So what are you doing for it? It's really right up Nutrition's Movement Alley because it's like, well, what are you doing that got Mm -hmm. you to this place? Okay, so how can we get you doing the thing you want to do without hurting yourself or damaging yourself. Or if you've been damaged and you still want to do something, you know, you have something that an injury or whatever that it's, well, I still want to sew, but my hand doesn't work. Well, how can we help you sew with the hand you've got? You know, it's, it's really cool. It's all about independence and science and Hmm. occupational therapists look at, at somebody holistically instead of just their muscles or just the kinesiology. Well, that's exciting. Yes. I read a very 
good paper on the, I'll say it's an interesting paper on the history of occupational therapy. And I'll see if I can find it. And I read it, I know I read it within the last 12 months. And what was really interesting that I think just for people listening that they might, because I know that we have plenty of OTs who listen and also PTs that occupy Mm -hmm. the originally occupational therapy. I mean, occupational therapy in a non-formalized sense has been offered for a very long time, but the modality of it used to be sewing and I think sort of like fine motor work that had a purpose. Exactly. But as, as therapies went to becoming, to, to falling under the umbrella of the scientific community there was a stigma against using functional tasks as therapy because they weren't sciencey enough. So no more giving people, you know, embroidery or picture to create or things to do that was right. functional or really pleasing to them. But instead, it had to come out and be done in a way that could be evaluated, you know, in order to evaluate the effectiveness of it. And so it sort of it's interesting to me who spends so much time promoting movement for non-exercise, non-therapeutic pursuits. Mm-hmm. And to say like when you've reduced it to it can only happen in a non-practical therapy setting with a therapist, what happens is yes that is, you know, an excellent way to evaluate the treatment of it. But what happens is the frequency with which you can get that, especially if someone else is going to pay for it and is behaving in these other systems, gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. So now people are left with no practical movements and only therapy appointments. So to see that it is going back in the other direction, because while it was necessary for the scientific process to be one way, that didn't necessarily mean that it was in the best interest of the mover trying to restore the movement overall. So it's just neat to exactly. see, it. you know what I mean? Like, Oh, like, so this is what we do it's to cool, figure yeah. out how it works. But in order to get the volume that's effective, it has to be outside of a laboratory or else we're all going to be eventually either living in a laboratory right. or just at home and not moving. Right. And it's cool because occupational science is all about the the person. Like you said, the mover it's driven by the mover and it's client driven. And that's, what's cool. Yeah. It's really fun. I'll be graduating in uh, December. Oh my gosh. Are you going to wear a cap and gown? (laughs) I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) We'll see. Maybe I will. I'll be the only one. Won't it be cool? I think you should make your own. I think you should just make your own cap and gown. Wear your mermaid hair and like be like my cap and gown. Yeah. I'm going to have Debbie make one out of old sweaters. That's right. Could she, <laughs> could you felt me a cap and gown, please? Okay. Well, it was good to talk with you. I'll find that paper and put it in the show notes too, for anyone who wants to read Same. it. And it was lovely to hear your voice and get to see your face. Same. Thanks for the chart. Really. It's, it's good. I think it's helpful. Thank you. And for anybody that's only listening to this and not watching, we both look as amazing as we feel. Always, always. Just 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 picture in your mind. It's exactly like that, only with hair ties for me. Yeah. <laughs> All right. See you later. Bye. Okay, so 
That's a wrap on the activities tracker. And I wanted to send out a big thank you to Danny for coming on to discuss it. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening. And thank you for moving while you're listening and for being part of the movement movement and for subscribing to newsletters and podcasts. Since I am not regularly recording podcasts right now, subscribing is a good way to make sure you hear every episode we release. And you can subscribe on any podcast provider. And remember that you can find the activity tracker to download on my website in the show notes or on the blog under activities move your DNA. I'm looking forward to a lot of time spent outside this season, and I'm planning on sharing with you all some tips and exercises to maximize all the outdoor activities. So you can sign up for my newsletter on the website as well to receive all the good stuff. If you want to move with me this summer, you can do so right in your own home via our virtual studio membership, which is discounted to $14 a month through September 2021. No code is needed. You can just hop over to the shop at nutritiousmovement.com and look for virtual studio classes. Live events. I am also headed to Pendleton, Oregon for an appearance slash book event August 11th, 4 to 8 p.m. There will be a Grow Wild book walk and I'm going to do a Q&A afterwards all outside in a park for free. Everyone is welcome. And this is brought to you by the Pendleton Public Library. Thank you so much for having me. You can find more about that gig under the events tab on the website. It's also going to be linked in the show notes, of course. And I was going to send a bit of a thank you to Annette Yen for always preparing our show notes so beautifully. Again, don't forget to check out the activity tracker. It's going to change how you see movement. All right, outside is calling me and I have to go. I'll see you later, peeps. This has been Move Your DNA with Katie Bowman, a podcast about movement. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.